I'll tell you, I'm pretty excited because the, the foundation of our lives is Christ crucified for us, isn't it? It's so amazing. We heard it in the Romans reading this morning. We heard it's the end of the Romans road. It's, it's if, you, if you believe, if you trust Jesus and you confess that he's risen from the dead, you will be saved. I love that. It's, it's what repentance is, really, right? A, a changed mind is what it means to trust God instead of our misguided passion to prove our own worth to him. We've turned and we say, it's Jesus. He's done it for me. Forgiveness for me. It's fabulous. And our lives are more precious and amazing and deep than we understand because we can't understand the love of Christ, how deep and wide and broad the Bible says. It's so amazing. And it's for you and me. Okay, we're done. No, wait. I'm reminded of of a man I don't know that you've heard of. I want to make sure I pronounce it right. Hiro Onoda. You know Hiro? He was a Japanese soldier in World War II in the Philippines in the jungle on an island, and his, his commander said, go, get out there and do guerrilla warfare. The, the Allied forces are coming in. And so he did. And he missed that the war ended. So he stayed out there as a guerrilla fighter for 30 years. They finally brought him in in 1974. He'd killed over 30 people in guerrilla warfare out in the Philippine jungle because he never got the news. He thought when he did get the news that it was fake news. You know, they sent him in a picture of his family, and he's like, that's enemy propaganda. I'm still fighting. I wonder if we're a little bit like that sometimes. You know, there's incredible news of Christ for us, the good news of the gospel, and we, we almost... We believe it, but, but it's almost too much. And we keep doing the things that we thought we needed to be doing. Still fighting. And, and so here comes the gospel. And also, how then will you live? That's the big issue for us here. We, we trust that Jesus died for us. We say it with our mouths. But we live in fear and burden because our confusion about what it means to be in relationship with God. Oh, we get to be in relationship with the amazing Father. We believe in Him, we receive this word, but sometimes it's not explained or lived in a way that leads us towards freedom. Even what that is, towards life. I see it all over. I was involved with a Christian school, and the idea was they're going to shape the character of the kids so that they'll have an impact on the world. Like their character is going to impact the world. Okay, gospel news. Wait a minute. Jesus impacts the world. Right? What's the, what's the actual message that you're after? And, and so if you have this message that's different for you and me, a life of not fighting to please God, but trusting God, what does it look like? He has done it. He has, you know. You have a relationship. You're a child of the king. That not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Wow. What does that mean? How do, how do we, and one of the earliest books we said is Galatians. And in Galatians, there Paul is concerned that the church might miss Christian living. And that's what we're discussing and that's what we're in. It's, today is crucified to life and actual, 
absolutely critical passage for you and I to take to heart because it addresses where we're at often in this amazing message of Jesus. Okay, so chapter chapter 2, we're actually in verse 15, and it starts with agreement because I don't know any Christian, any person in a church that's a Christian church that doesn't have some agreement that we can stand on together. Here, here it is, verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Okay, wait, as, as we start this, you know, in the church sometimes we think the danger is here. We're saved by faith. You know, we've got to fight. We're saved by faith. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith, you know, by Jesus dying on the cross. I'll tell you what, I don't know anybody who doesn't say we're saved by what Jesus has done. Pick any church you know, liberal church, conservative church, but they're Christian church. And in their doctrinal statement somewhere, you'll find we're saved by faith alone, what Jesus has done. So Paul, when he's confronting Peter, we saw this last week, right? He has this whole story about him confronting Peter. It's not over. Did Jesus die for us? That's, that's not it, right? We're going to stipulate, yeah, we're righteous, we're justified, we're good by what Jesus Christ has done. Not by my own work, but by the act of God and Christ on the cross. That's a big deal. It's important and it's huge. We agree. Wait, you got that from that line? No. No, he's, but I want to show you know what's going on. As he says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. He's talking to the other side and saying, we agree, right? We're, we're Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners. And yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Oh, all of us, right? All of this argument is not about this, right? A person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Right? So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. This is, this is Paul saying to Peter and the other side, look, we're all together in this, right? This is the message. This is how salvation happens. Everybody agrees. Nobody climbs to God. God came down to earth. It is amazing and it is true. We proclaim it. We're justified not by works of the law, but through faith in Christ. And so we believe and we trust in Jesus and not in our works. Nobody says, okay, look, all the good things I've done, God accept me. It's not going to work. We know that. Paul is talking about how you're justified, and that sounds like a big word, but it just means right, righteous, good. How are you good with God? God, God says you're good. God's looking at you, saying you're right and true, now and in the future, and righteous by what Jesus has done and you trusting him. That's the basic Christian faith, right? He won, Jesus did, by his work on the cross. So so Paul's looking at Peter saying, we're in this together. You know, I know you aren't against this. Indeed, who is? Everybody's for this. I'm saved by Christ alone. Even the Old Testament, right? Let me put up a verse in the Old Testament. Here's here's Isaiah 53. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And Yahweh has laid on him, 
the iniquity of us all, speaking of the suffering servant, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, we're sinners, but Jesus paid for us. Agreement on how we get in relationship. But here's the thing. That's not the end of the matter. Why not? Because you're still breathing and you're still on earth. How do you maintain your relationship with God? What's it about, right? Well, we see we're in agreement on how we get in relationship, but because we're still living and breathing, the issue is how you stay in relationship with God. You can say, and I have no trouble in some sort of clinical way or even in a heartfelt way saying, it's so amazing Jesus saved me, he died for me. A long time ago, you know, he did it, and he did. He did. Praise Jesus, he's done it. How do you keep God happy with you? That's what's coming in here. Because we're all in agreement about the act on the cross. But then in comes confusion. Confusion, right? About Christian living. Paul's all over this. That's what Galatians is about. So he goes into this and says, how do you maintain relationship? And he just keeps going right through. Look what he says. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. Okay, we start getting confused about here, usually ourselves and looking at the text. You know, I know it's a little unsettling. We all agree trust in Jesus, but towards what? And this is the earliest of controversies, and Jesus paid it all, but what? And the Galatians, even Peter, are not thinking straight. They're still saved, but, you know, they were arguing by their lives and their behavior against the cross alone. How can I guarantee that I actually make it, that I please God? Well, I'll work to glorify him, and I'll impact the world, and I'll gain reward, and I'll, I'll keep the law, and I'll become part of his covenant family, and I'll get the signs, and I'll become a Jewish. I mean, the law was given to the Jews. If God saved you in Jesus, isn't there necessarily some something Aren't there effects sort of you should see in a transformed life? I mean, those who see what Jesus have, has done should be more obedient than anybody else. Don't you think so? So, so the issue isn't over verses 15 and 16 that we just covered. The issue is here. This is the issue they're arguing over, and we just sort of skip it most of the time. Verse 17 18, 19. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. What, what, what is he saying? Paul is addressing their argument. And it's an argument you might have in your own heart. The, the Judaizers and Peter by his action, is that we move towards being justified and righteous and good in Christ, which is a gift of God. We, we should be less sinners. There should be less sin. Like you guys, you should be obey, obeying the Ten Commandments more. That, that's what he's, that's the argument, right? 
We should keep God happy. We should fulfill his law, of course. And so see, the argument is that God's people keep his law. They keep the Ten Commandments. They take on the Mosaic Covenant. At the very least, the moral bits. You should see it. You should be increasingly doing the good things. Like that's what he created us to do. Get improved. So Paul says, well, what if we don't? As if when we trust in Jesus, we're able to be accused as sinners. As as we say, oh, I trust in Jesus, but look, endeavor to be justified in Christ by trusting Jesus and what he's done. We're found to be sinners. We're still sinning. Do I make Christ a servant of sin? Like, is that totally the wrong way? I mean, we've got to obey the rules. Otherwise, Jesus looks bad. You know what his answer is going to be. No way. And this is the confusion. We link believing in Jesus to obeying the Ten Commandments. I'm not saying the Ten Commandments aren't good to do. It's the law. The law is always good to do. But we link those two things. That's our problem. And that's because that's how the world works. For the Christian, being better people means more discipline keeping of the law. And Paul could have said, he could have said right here, right? You want to play the could have said game. So he could have said, oh, you should show the world how set apart you are by coming under the law, by doing better, by attaining success so everyone can see how awesome Jesus is. So that would be my thinking, right? I would think like this. I think, okay, I believe in Jesus, and now I'm going to show everybody how Jesus is the way by being perfect. Just don't talk to my wife; she knows better. But uh, otherwise, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to build that mask because in my heart, I think I'm trying to make Jesus good by me being good and i'm linking those two things and paul says well what if as you endeavor to believe in jesus i can point out your sin still paul is passionate here he's against peter so he says this and it's really interesting he says for if i rebuild what i tore down i prove myself to be a transgressor for through the law i died to the law so that i might live to god this is huge for Christian living, and you've got to see it from the Bible, not me. This is amazing what he says, because he definitely links the rebuilding to the law. Because he basically is saying, hey, you got saved, not by works of the law, I'm tearing that down. You got saved by trusting Jesus. But if then you go back and rebuild the law, you go rebuild what you tore down. You say, oh yeah, believe in Jesus, and now come to be in relationship with God, you keep Torah. You keep the Ten Commandments. You get the sign of being a Jew because God is the God of Israel. If, if you think that way, you're just proving how much of a sinner you are because that's not the way. That's the implication, right? I prove myself to be a transgressor. I'm anti-God's plan. So Peter, he was going and avoiding foods because they were forbidden in the Torah. Transgressor. All of it, Jesus, and then kept by our active obedience. Transgressor. Because there's only one path, and any other is jumping into some wide avenue that the whole world's trampling on, about you improving you and showing God by you how great you are. We abandoned self-righteousness in our law-keeping. You can't go back. 
Trusting Jesus is the path. Trusting yourself, even yourself, plus a little help from your friend Jesus, is a wide road to destruction. And Paul is so strong on that for you and me. For through the law, I died to the law. Klopp points out that the law, the law has a purpose, and it is not to build you up. It is to destroy you. This is how Martin Luther put it in his Galatians commentary. The law is a light which does nothing else but reveal sin, engender wrath, accuse and terrify men so that it brings them to the very brink of desperation. This is the proper use of the law and here it has an end and it ought go no further. You want life? It is most surprisingly by accepting that the law kills you. Man, how I want to make that backwards. <laughs> like, like, oh, through Christ I die, now through the law I live. Like, oh, Jesus, he died for me and I associate with that death, and now through the law I have life. Paul says that is so backwards. This is the greatest attack on the gospel. It always comes from inside the church. That outside the church, the world, they attack the law. They try and lower the morals. They try and sort of poke at how, oh, we don't have to keep the law of God. Yes, you do. The law of God speaks to the sinner. But in the church, the attacks on the gospel, people are like, oh, no, no, the good news isn't enough. It needs to be Jesus, and you need to do these things. Sometimes it's unstated, but it's in your heart. You carry a burden and guilt and, and, and a pressure, even a social pressure, to act and be Better not to be real. So they say stuff like, you want to accomplish for God? Be disciplined. Find your purpose. Make effort, obedience to guarantee that God will continue to favor you, to be in relationship with him, to please him. I listened to a well-meaning pastor this last week. That's all. So I'm, I'm gonna, man, I'm, I'm telling you what, what people need to hear is discipline towards their purpose that they might build the kingdom of God. Where's the gospel? What well, was for conversion? That is so not true. Anything but the cross. Paul says the gospel is more radical. Don't be confused. Be certain. Be assured. God is for you. This is our trust. It stops right there. Jesus Christ for you. And I said, well, how does that? Yeah, it's deep. It's amazing. It's, it's not what you think. And it is for your Christian living. It's astonishing. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Here's what he says. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Oh, wait, wait, right there. What? I want to live to God, and here's what it means. I have died with Jesus. He hung on that cross. The law condemned him, and he died, and he took it, and us with him. And so God, that raised Jesus from the dead by a power all his own, so he raises us by a power all his own. Jesus gave up on himself and trusted his Father. So us, right? Put another way, I don't live anymore. 
The law has nothing to say to me beyond the killing. It accuses and it kills, and it, and it still does. I'm still breathing. My old flesh is still walking around. I'm here. I care very much about what you think of me. You care about what I think of you. And, and, and we have this judging thing going on still. And the law comes in, and we use the law to judge. And it's all passing away, the hope of it. This is the miracle of Christianity, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You, us, united to Jesus in a mysterious way, a way that makes no sense in science. It makes no sense in society and advancement and you becoming a strong and more perfect person. No, you look like you're dying. But we are beloved children of God. That's the gospel you are right now. Does the Father love the Son? Oh, really? Does the Father love the Son? Yes. You're in the Son. Yes. Does the Father not love you? Yes. This is all by faith, not by sight, right? I don't see it. My body's dying. I, I, I get disease. I get cancer. I get relationships that don't work. I pray to God, God the healer, God can heal me. And yet he chooses, right, to say, no, I'm, I'm working. You don't even understand how I'm working, but it's by trust, not by sight. You don't get to see it. Yet you live trusting Jesus, full stop. Right, The life I now live in the flesh. He's talking about now. He's talking about after conversion. He's talking about, oh, I put my faith in Jesus. So the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, by trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the reality I receive is that the Son of God, that's Jesus, he loved me with all that he is, and he gave himself for me. And so living right now in the flesh, that's in my sin, that's being condemned by the law and having imperfection, and I live trusting Jesus. That's why forgiveness is such a big deal, right? You know, only Jesus is able to really forgive. He, he's the one. And yet we speak words of forgiveness. We're speaking in the name of Christ. <laughs> that you might hear that you're forgiven because Jesus Christ covers all of your sin. I don't trust in my love. I don't trust in my so-called fruit. Oh, I want fruit, don't get me wrong. I just know that I'm a terrible fruit discerner. I don't trust in my own love, my works. Faith is not sight. I can't stand that God wants you healed and strong and pure, that, 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 that you'll be... And then... And then really what the Bible's saying is you're going down and dying and you're speaking a word of forgiveness as you do. Christian living, right? I have come to know and believe. What, what have I come to know and believe? The love that God has for me. That's amazing. So whatever comes, whoever you are, no matter how we fail, no matter that my desires don't line up with what I know to be true, I believe this, I trust, Jesus Christ is for me. This is what makes community. This is what Christian living is. This is what Paul is setting as the table. He's like, oh, you're going to be tempted. Even Peter, the guy, was tempted. He, he was pulled away by this. But I'm telling you, Christian living is about standing on the gospel. 
the grace of God and his love to you and me. I mean, it sounds too free. You know, I I thought God was about transforming me to someone who might impact the world. I thought that his grace means empowerment for me not to sin anymore, to become like a God in my holy behavior. I have to say it so strong like that because it's in our water, in evangelical circles. And it's crazy. For you to be like Jesus is for you to die. Not for you to be empowered to be some holy shining example of amazing strength. That was not Jesus on earth. He, Philippians 2, right, humbled himself, became nothing, even to the point of death. He he didn't hold on to his own anything. Yet we have all over people holding on to their own victimhood and their own goodness and their own righteousness. Give it up. Let it go. Be yourself. Receiving the forgiveness of Christ because that's where the power is. The grace of God and his love of you and me in in our imperfection, his perfection for you, you being in him, you being a beloved child right now, not maybe in the future if you like are disciplined enough. Doesn't that cheapen grace? Giving you this really strong message that's from Paul. I think it is from Paul because he's walking right down these lines. Because what would I say next? I would ask that. This cheapens grace, Dex. You telling people that it's just Jesus and they're imperfect and it's not there. This cheapens grace. So look what he says. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So if goodness were through the law, the implication is after conversion, right? After you believe. If you were to go back and do the law, then why Jesus? He would be only some sort of like power source. said, no, it's it's a gift. Our relationship with God is a gift. Your relationship with God is a gift. That's all you have. In fact, it's it's emphasized over and over, right? If you read Ephesians, it's a gift. If you read Romans 3, it's a gift. it's, It's named as a gift. Grace. Literally, the word for grace, charis, it has gift wrapped in it, right? You don't do anything for it. He's everything. We are in him by what he has done. And it will impact our future forever. This is absolutely critical stuff for your life. You are no longer a sinner. You are a saint in Christ. You are beloved by God and his forever. You are entirely pure, entirely holy, redeemed and righteous. All the words adopted, sanctified, royal. We are royal priesthood because and only because you are in Christ. This is by trusting him. Because he said so. He, he, he took out the, you know, if you would only be better or an order that you might accomplish and we will see how you do or I'll judge your works. Or, yeah, because he's going to produce in you by promise the things that he says. He will bear fruit in you. We're going to see it in Galatians. You will have fruit. You can take it as an assurance of your life, not as a, man, I hope I do. If I really try hard, then God will finally be happy with me. But most of the time he's really sad because I'm not doing much. Oh, your relationship is because he adores you. You have been judged, and the judgment is death, says the law. 
alive in Christ, says God. Nothing of you, all of him forever. The reality is really more than we can handle. Most of the time we fight it. We want Jesus to make me into a, I I do, I want Jesus to make me into a stronger person. I want Jesus to change my circumstances. I want Jesus and God to show that I'm favored by making it sight. But the whole idea is that we're in him by promise. We can't hardly see it right. Even our best people, and this is what Jerry Bridges said once in a book. He said, because we so often equate Christ-like character with ordinary morality, we fail to realize how impossible it is for us to attain any degree of conformity to Christ by our effort. Instead, Jesus says, die with me, and you will live with me. So, So would you today trust him? This is Christian living. We speak it to each other. Trust him as your life falls apart. Trust him as you don't get the healing you want. Trust him as you're not the person you know you should be. Trust him as others hurt you. All of it, right? Because he experienced it all, and he is with us every single step of the way. We are his, but our ego, me, the stuff I want, that died. I mean, it's true, and it's a Christian truism that we deserve nothing. But it's also true we're beloved. And he uses us. Nothing in our flesh will attain to the image of Christ. Only Christ himself, who is in us and is our hope for eternality and and godliness and everything. It's, It's a work of him in us. A gift. Okay, this means, right, that your witness, let's, we'll end with this. This means that your witness will not be your improvement. I, it just won't be. And people that come and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm going to witness. I, I know it says in the Bible, it says, oh, do good works so that the Gentiles will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That, that's fine. That's, a, that's actually a judgment on the world because they're not actually going to believe you now. But the reality I live in is I'm a forgiven sinner. So we speak from Christ. This is why forgiveness is such a big deal. This is why in the Bible, in Matthew, right, Jesus says, if you're not going to forgive, you're not mine. Because we have been forgiven so much, and the people who have been forgiven much, forgive much. I speak forgiveness from Christ to you. He has forgiven all your sin. He has not promised that you will have, your sin will go away. Not on this earth. He might. Sin is terrible. You should avoid it. Do all your best. Run. Leave your jacket like Joseph and run. The problem is your heart ran with you. And so we have where, oh, I, I instead say my life is about the forgiveness of Christ for me. And I'm going to live this breath and the next breath and tomorrow and the next day knowing that I'm forgiven. Not that I'm improving. I might. That'd be great. But I'll tell you what, mostly I'm dying. And if you look closely, you'll see my failure. And what I need to hear, what you need to speak to each other, is you do know that Jesus Christ paid for that. You're forgiven, full and free. This is the message of the cross. Your witness is the forgiveness. Your witness is brokenness redeemed. A new vision, right, of God who forgives and covers and you receive it and you proclaim it. Your witness is embracing the leper, embracing the blind. They don't see yet. 
You are numbered with them. Your witness is not law-keeping. Your witness is the assurance of God's love for you in Christ in the midst of your daily living. And this is the deal. Come out of the jungle. The war's been won. Jesus Christ conquered it all on the cross. And what we do is we come out of the jungle and say, yes, it's over. He's for me. This is such great news. It's so hard to believe, but but this is the proclamation of God for you in Christ. He has forgiven all your sins and you're with him forever. He will use you. Everything about you is taken care of because in Christ you have everything. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this passage, this incredible, hard-to-believe passage in Galatians. Thank you for Galatians 2.20, but thank you for the whole thing, Lord. I don't feel like I've died, Father, I confess. We often don't act like we've died. But Lord, by faith and by trust, we know we have. We are with your son, and we will live with him by your promise. We confess it. We want it. We acknowledge it. Help us to trust it. Help us to trust you, Lord. And Lord, I pray in this body, among this people, that your Holy Spirit might allow us to speak forgiveness to one another from you. Lord, we who so often fall into our own paths, Lord, we might be pulled back to the wonder of what you've done for us. We are grateful, Lord. And we thank you so much for what you've done. It's in your precious name we pray.